0: Ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to begin.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is killing the business worldwide, and this is your main event of the evening. The man charged episode is Vic Muscat. With me today is the one, and only Mad Max and Scotty. How are you guys doing today?
0: Glad to be back. Doing bro. good
1: man Max good this, to be now, back I heard something about jail but I'm not gonna get into that right now
0: did you do some jail time Max I, I can't lie
1: <laughs> it was a while back <laughs> anyway he's still on my record
2: can he just fit between the bars <laughs>
1: oh, <laughs> no my big booty won't let me <laughs> Our guest tonight is a unsung hero from the WWF land. He has a high profile. He's been in high profile storylines with Dean Ambrose and back then the WWE champion AJ Styles. He passed around his championship knowledge as he became manager of Carmella to win the Money in the Bank and later on the women's championship. He is the one and only James Ellsworth. How are you doing, sir? Yeah good you call me a unsung hero uh how do you know i can't sing i really can't i just that's the word in the streets <laughs> the war in the streets of brookline vermont but... so if you could describe your career using one word what word would that be and why sucked
2: now i'm just kidding <laughs> that it
1: was uh yeah, dude, it, it was one word. If
2: I really had to sum it up, one word is it, it magnificent, man. Like I, I couldn't have asked or dreamed of anything more possible than I did in WWE and continue to do on the independent scene. Um, like, for instance, like two weeks ago, I had an altercation with Kurt Angle at an indie show and he put me in the ankle lock. Like stuff like that, man. When I was a teenager, I was watching Kurt Angle and, you know, it just like stuff like that happening still to this day. My life's pretty cool.
1: How did you break into the business? Was there something that you grew up watching, or do you just like stumble upon it? Well, of course,
2: I watched it my whole life, it. and you know, I graduated high school um, in June of two thousand and two, and I started wrestling school four days later in June of two thousand two. Um, trained by Axel Rodden, who was an ECW uh, original, um, oh, yeah. and a world, a world traveler in his own right. But the IW, um, IWA Mid-South? Yeah, and, you know, he um he was a great trainer. I know a lot of people know him. Like, they hear his name, and they think of the hardcore stuff, but he was an outstanding trainer, knew his craft, knew wrestling very well. Was, I mean, well, I couldn't have had a much better mentor than him. And, uh, yeah, just uh, trained for, like, a year before I had my first match, which, I mean, this day and age, guys train for, like, two or three months, and all of a sudden they have the first match, which I don't agree with. I think you got to. Really, really uh, learn to craft before you have your first match. But we live in different times. So, yeah, man, I just loved it my whole life. And as soon as I graduated school, high school, I just went right into it. Uh-oh. Mikey!
1: <laughs> Michael wanted to say
2: hi to you. Hey, Mikey. How are you? Which one's Mikey? You or the bear? Here, tell
1: oh my guy. <laughs> They're hey, twins. Like hey, let see mine. All right. well, see you me. Thank you. My Mr. IT for the show. There you go. And I <laughs> go wonder why, ha- why things aren't working around here. <laughs> so tell us about, tell us about your first match.
2: No, no I'm kidding. Actually, <laughs> my, uh, my first match, it's actually a great story. Um, I told it on a talk is Jericho. My, the first talk is Jericho. I did, um, my first match was against a woman actually. And her uh, wrestling name back then was Alexis Larie. and Alexis wow. Lurie eventually became Mickey, Mickey James. James. <laughs> yeah. And I was 17. It was at the wrestling school. We used to have a uh, birthday parties at the wrestling school. And it'd be like, you know, 30, 40 kids would show up and we'd have a birthday party and they would always have a match. And, I was, like, four months in. I wasn't ready for my first match. Like I said, I didn't get on, like, a normal independent wrestling show until I was a year in. But this particular day, it was just her and I at the school. And they are like, oh, we need two wrestlers to have a match. And, you know, she was already on shows killing it. And they were like, hey, uh, James, like, there's nobody else here. You have to do yeah. the match. And I'm like, what the – I'm, like, scared to death. I'm like, I've never had a match, like, you know. So – I, they put a mask on me because back then when I was 17, I looked really young. I looked like I was 12 years old when I was 17. So they put a mask on me. And I remember she hit me with a forearm and the mask went sideways and I couldn't see. It was, it was crazy, but it's just the amazing thing about the story is my first actual match in front of people was with Mickey James. <laughs> so it's pretty neat.
1: How did you get into, uh, into uh, working with the WWE? Um you know, I did it the old fashioned
2: way. No, uh, we, we gotta be politically correct. Though. Uh no, um, I. So the match I, with Braun Strowman, when when they come to town, they use what they call extra talent, which is just indie guys that are local, and right. you, you'll see you'll see any guys get used as like security guards or a squash match or whatever. Right. That day, they were starting the Braun push by himself, where they had taken him out of the White family. Now they were going to push him by himself, and I was the first victim when his like, road of destruction and um you know make long story short about how like I got started with wwe I did the match and afterwards uh, they said Vince McMahon wanted to see me I went to see Vince thinking he was gonna yell at me and kick him out of his building and never see wwe again that's what was going through my mind and he goes hey your facial expressions were great your selling was great your um promo was um, I loved your promo he goes I have no choice but to hire you I'll be in touch and I was like, <laughs> wow. Whoa. Whoa. what did I just do? Just like, by what? you amazing.
1: Just by you saying with the man with has two fists,
2: has oh, a yeah. chance. A man with two hands has a fighting chance. Yeah, that was like a line I had came up with earlier in that day. Like just popped in my mind, because I knew I was hitting him twice. And <laughs> let's go back and watch the match, I punch him twice before he uh, you know, beats my obliterates you. Yeah, so <laughs> Um, I mean, he, he clubbed me in the chest. If you go back and watch that, that literally felt like somebody hit me in the chest with a two by four Aww. and, um, uh, which I'm not crying about it. You know, it's wrestling. It, it hurts. But, um, yeah, like, and Vince just saw something in me and it was it like, it, that's, that's the coolest thing ever in my career that that's the guy who is the most successful guy in the history of this business. The only guy that's ever made billions with a B of dollars off of wrestling um Mm -hmm. saw something in me and i'll never forget that i always um cherish my time uh working for vince and always respect him the the business sense he had and and what and whatever he saw in me that day um i'll never forget
1: do you think the, the wwe products better today or back when you were part of the promotion? Oh, man, like, when I was on SmackDown,
2: man, like, uh, you guys are all fans, right? Like, 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. and I was there 2018 as well, so I was on SmackDown those three years. But, like, the, two, the from June of 2016 to, like, April of 2017, SmackDown was amazing. Like... Yeah. Yeah, mean, AJ then. Styles was the champion. Like Randy Orton was part of the Wyatt family. Dolph Ziggler and The Miz were fighting for the Intercontinental title and having these mm-hmm. killer matches and promos. Like Becky Lynch was, uh, came up to the main roster. Alexa Bliss came up to the main roster. Like it was like all these people, like the Usos, had transformed into kind of what you see today. You know, that was right. the start of it. Um, it was like a like every segment was. Nailing it! All the talent were nailing it, um and everybody got along so well backstage. And and we knew it was a special time. We felt it, and and like a lot of fans, they'll come up to me if I, you know, when I see them out at the conventions, or if I just see them at the local Walmart or whatever. Like they always, man, 2016, 2017 SmackDown was amazing. You and Dean Ambrose, you and AJ Styles, and like man, that was a good time in my life, and I appreciate the entertainment. I'm like, wow, like that's a that time period was a special time in, people, in wrestling fans' hearts for SmackDown. And I, I do think SmackDown back then was better than it is. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. Now, I love Roman Reigns. I love the bloodline, you know, um, all that stuff. But the rest of the show compared to the rest of the show back then, I, I think there's no comparison. I think the show back then, not because of me, like, but the the, the shows as a whole back then was, was better, in my humble opinion. So
1: back then when you were with the WWE to you what was your best match
2: ah uh, my favorite match there was the ladder match with AJ where i won my contract um like like I, that was my third match against him and i was so comfortable in the ring with him by then like i was so nervous the first couple times I wrestled him because i back then man i thought look this guy is the best wrestler in the world right now like in in the ring and, you, you know, and I think a lot, everybody thought that about AJ Styles back in 2016. So, I think between 2006 to 2016, people, like that 10-year span, I think he was arguably, and a lot of people argue it, the best in-ring performer in, in, the, in the world. So... But yeah, by the time we got to that ladder match, it was the third time I wrestled him, and I was very comfortable. And I got to turn his damn alarm clock off. <laughs> it's like doing, doing the snooze. But um, yeah, that was my favorite match there. Uh, it was great storytelling, and we had a really, really good finish with it. And um, I really enjoyed it.
0: I got a, got a question. Do you, how were the politics different backstage at WWE versus the independents? Um. Not
2: right, like I think politics and wrestling. Um, I'll be back in just a second. I'm this alarm off so it doesn't keep going off.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: like um, there we go. Let's see if
0: I'm back here. Can you guys? Can you guys that, see me? Not yet.
1: Not yet. Not yet.
0: What do I do? That that question came from Doctor Apu. Uh, where is Doctor?
1: Doctor Muhammad tonight?
0: Uh, he's with his dog
1: at,
0: at a basketball game. Doctor Doctor Poo. Doctor
2: Apu, Apu. Oh, okay. Doctor Apu, thanks for the question. So, politics—whether you're at the top of the uh, wrestling world in WWE or like just like a independent with seven people in the crowd—they never change, man. It's like any job. People are—they want your spot if it's better than theirs. <laughs> and, like, it does. That happens everywhere. It's no exactly. I, to me. To me, it was no different. Yep. Okay. You
1: Do you think politics weren't involved when you? captured the women's money in the bank briefcase and a notice qualification match, give it to Carmella, and they decided to redo the match following SmackDown?
2: No, not at all, because we knew we were doing the second match before the first one ever happened. <laughs> so <laughs> like <laughs> that was all that was the play it all along was hey we're gonna do this controversial finish with Ellsworth and then we're gonna have the rematch a week later on SmackDown to pop a rating and, and it'll create a lot of controversy and it's gonna work. And guess what? Everything that Vince came up with right there worked. It, it created controversy. And a week later, we did the rematch on SmackDown and it popped the rating. Like the ratings were up from the week before. Um, so now that, there was no politics involved in that. That was, uh, it happened just as planned. And it was a uh, mission accomplished.
0: So, which, uh, when you were on SmackDown for that period of time, which agent did you have the most interaction with backstage? Like that helped you along?
2: that's a great um great question so when i was first there arn anderson um i mean obviously one of the best minds in the business loved him being my agent got along with him great just looked forward to working with him every time uh but when i was doing like the main event stuff michael hayes who handles a lot of main event stuff who i i loved and i, I can't say his name without laughing because he's so funny and i i got along with him great as well and then once i started doing the stuff with carmella um, it was Fit Finley because Fit Finley works with the girls. Um, I, I'm sure he still does them, but um, when I was there, he, he still was doing that. And obviously, he's he's amazing um, in ring talent from, you know, I, I remember watching him on the Nitros and all that. Um, so, yeah, like, but my favorite, like, personally, I, I love working with Art Anderson. He was just such a great guy, and he would come up with stuff like you wouldn't, like, dream to think about because he just has that great mind for the business.
1: Max, you have any
0: questions?
2: He's quiet. What was your the pop moment that you had in WWE? Um, that's another great question. I, I feel like when I started wrestling, my goal was always to get to WWE. And then once I got there, my goal was always to be on WrestleMania. So when I was on WrestleMania and uh, walked down the aisle with Carmella that night, and just looking at the crowd and all that, I was like, "This is exactly why I got on the business. This is the moment I always wanted." And you know, I got to get in the ring and take a bump from Becky Lynch in the match uh, at WrestleMania there, WrestleMania 33. So that that was it. But man, like I'll, I'll tell you, let me you know, probably right up there with it. It's tied like one A, one B would be wrestling for the wwe title like i just and just the way it happened like if you go back and watch the match the referee's raising the title before the match and i'm looking across the ring at the best wrestler in the world back then aj styles and the crowd's chanting my name i'm like i'm in the ring with the best wrestler in the world wrestling for the wwe title and the crowd's chanting my name and it's at a main event on smackdown on television like I was like, "What is this? Like, what? Where am I right now?" It's so cool. What? What's called? Did you stand there and paint yourself? Yeah, I man, did like, you no, stand I, there and paint yourself? I legit felt like I was in a dream. Like, I felt like I, I was like, "Is this fucking real? Like, is this a real thing that's going on?" Like, yeah, you know, it, it was cool, man. I'll never ever forget that. Like that. I mean, I was wrestling for the most prestigious, you know, championship or title or spot. In the business, Um doesn't get any better than that. Other than if you actually, you know, were to win it. <laughs> so, do you believe you still on Chris Jericho's list? Um, does anybody ever get off the list? It's not like not like some kind of like
0: list <laughs> where oh,
2: well, in ten years you'll be off.
0: But, no, I don't think he erases the names on it. Yeah,
2: I, no, I don't know. I'm pretty cool. I'm pretty cool with Chris Jericho. Like, you know, if I text him, he always gets back to me. Um, if I say, "Hey, you're in town for you Can I come hang out?" We always do. Um, I'm gonna ask him next time I talk to him. Hey man, do you have like in your a room in your house? Do you have like a a list of every name that's on the list, like on a wall somewhere? Because that'd be
0: so cool if you did.
2: <laughs> you know? that, that's his wallpaper.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just, just ask him straight up. Am I still on the list? <laughs> Yeah, I'll, uh, next time I see him, I'll do
2: a TikTok video with him and just ask, him, hey, man, am I still on the list or did I get off somehow?
1: There you go. <laughs> in your opinion, of professional wrestling, does the championship make the man a woman or do they make the belt?
2: The the, the person carrying the belt makes the belt relevant or not. Okay, so right now, the WWE championship is the most relevant in wrestling, which it should be. Um, and Roman, Mad like, what... When he finally loses that, people are going to go crazy because it's going to be such a big moment. The guy's had the belt for almost four years, and, you know, like, he's made that belt so relevant because every match he has feels like a big moment, you know? And, like, it, it's that's that's what you want. You want every title match to feel like you're, you're watching something special, and he's really done. Like, you know, he just wrestled LA Knight at Crown Jewel over the weekend, and, you know, people are watching just begging for la Knight to win this title and that's because romans made it that way and one one you know in my humble opinion he's probably gonna lose to cody Rhodes at wrestlemania 40 and when he does like people are gonna go insane that's because he made that title like you know there's been people that have had the title that you know like you don't even remember that they had it you know, the the person makes the belt. The belt doesn't make the person. Like, the, they give you the belt going, okay, here's your ball. Now run with it. Now if you run with it and score a touchdown. Everybody's going nuts. If you run with it, and let's say you fumble on the one, all people remember is you fumbling on the, on the one, not that you ran at 99 yards. They only remember that you fumbled on the one.
3: So pretty much it's going to be the. Undertaker streak
2: when he lost to Brock. Everybody's going to be moment. stunned. Yeah, I think, you know, been, well, I I feel like a lot of people feel like me that Cody's going to win it at WrestleMania 40. And it, it, it still will get that reaction. But if if somehow, like, they, they keep it where Roman beats Cody at WrestleMania 40, I think you're going to get even bigger. Like, that same shock. Yeah. Like, if he retains. Yeah. That's how important it is right now. If he retains, people are going to go, "Oh my god!" And if he loses, people are still going to go, "Oh my god!" Either way, it's a, it's a big moment. Oh yeah, it's like, awesome! It's awesome.
1: It's like Austin and The Rock. You know, was two WrestleManias, Austin beat The Rock,
2: mm-hmm. and then the third one, uh, The Rock finally, uh, finally beat him. You know, in yeah, the, yeah. Uh, trilogy, in The trilogy, which trilogies are always great. Like, um, you know, like when when Cody's wrestling and I'm sure that's where they're going. And uh, when he's wrestling Roman at WrestleMania, I'm going to be torn. Like, all right, I want Cody to finish the story, but does he have to finish now? Or can we wait one more year? You know, like it's interesting, but that's, that's the good thing about wrestling is, and that's why we all like talking about it. And we'll all like watching it. Cause we want to see what happens next. Even if it's not if something happens where we don't agree with it, or it's not what we personally want to happen. We still want to see what happens next.
0: Yeah. what uh what helped prepare you for the big stage like in your training promos what do you think helped you the most
2: i mean like i said i had a great trainer in Ride. and man like car rides with him and he would tell me like man like you get wrestling and you understand it and he goes you know like obviously you're, you don't have the you're not the biggest guy you don't have a great physique um you know so you're going to have to rely on the things that Vince saw. You're going to have to rely on being a good promo. You're going to have to rely on selling. You're going to have to rely on facial expressions because he said, this is where it matters the most. This is where you tell your story. He would always do that, what I'm doing right now. And he just embedded that in my head. And he even told me one time, we had I wrestled him in Pennsylvania somewhere on an indie show and he goes and we had a fun match it was it was just fun we both talking back and forth on the microphone and both just had a really good match with each other and on the way back i remember him telling me look man like if the right person saw you you probably get a job doing something i'm not saying you would be this big like wrestling superstar but you you probably cuz you know you know what you're doing like you know how to get the crowd you know into it you know how to tell the story so if the right person saw you they probably want to hire you for something and, like, that right person winded up being Vince McMahon, which is crazy, you know.
1: What led for your tier exit WWE? What's that? What led to your exit from the WWE? Well, so my contract was coming
2: up. And, like, Vince told me from day one when he when he hired me, he said, hey, man, look, you're not usually what we look for. You know, the average guy here is 6'1", 220. Uh, and, you know, I'm 5'8", 170. And he's like, you know, we'll we'll have some fun with this for a while, and then, after, you know, after your contracts up. We'll bring you back every now and then. Like, you know, we might not see you for five, six years, but when you come back, people are like, oh, God, I remember him. And he's like, and you'll mean more that way. And obviously, I'm like, telling him, well, what if I do good? Can I stick around longer than that? And he goes, ah, you won't be as special. And then, you live and you learn. And, you know, he was the genius. Like, I look at a guy like Tozawa, which I love. I love Tozawa. I think he's entertaining. But, like, they don't, you know, like, you, you don't, he's not, spe- like, people aren't, like, cr- clamoring to see him. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, I got, I got, like, as I get older, I get what he was saying. Like, you, you're more special if you, you, you know, we, we give you this run, and then every now and then we bring you back. Right.
1: What is the most painful maneuver you
2: ever been through? So, if you go back and watch uh, the Royal Rumble, 19, uh, 2017. I said 19, <laughs> 2017. Um, Braun threw me over the top rope. Like he basically slammed me from the ring to the floor and which wasn't supposed to go down that way. He's supposed to throw me over the ropes. Like where my feet. So he didn't, he threw me from the ring and my feet hit the ropes and I just took a bump on the floor. And I mean, it was San Antonio, Texas at the Alamo doing in front of like 50 plus thousand people. So, I got the wind knocked out of me right away, but I was okay because I I landed like you're supposed to. But man, like that was like scary and painful, but I I lived through it and I got up and I was fine the next day, but that, I mean, right loud when I hit that ground, I was like, oh, like my my whole soul had came out of my body. It felt like uh, if you ever got the wind knocked out of you, you know, but from that height, yeah, that was pretty painful. What's the worst injury you've sustained? That, um... Yeah, I've broke. I've broken both my hands, not at the same time. Um, I've been pretty lucky with that knock on wood. I've gotten a bunch of teeth knocked out. I mean, for some reason, people keep accidentally punching me in the face. I don't know. I'm <laughs> um, oh, well, sorry. Like I've, um, i I tore my rotator cuff. I wrestled through it. Like I said, I broke both hands at separate times. I wrestled through it. Um, I've wrestled through every inj- injury I've ever had. Um, and I, but I've been lucky, like because I, I I wrestled
0: Uh-oh. 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 Like we lost him.
1: Technical difficulties.
0: <laughs>
1: Chris Mech shows up and everything goes to hell.
0: Technical difficulties. Yeah. Please stand by.
1: Michael fix it.
0: Where did he go?
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: He's still there. And it hasn't kicked him off yet.
1: I don't know what happened. Well, if is- you can hear us, James, you froze up, buddy.
0: Oh, there he went. Yeah.
1: He, he, went. he lost him. He'll be back. He'll be back, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I can on, Only on this podcast. Only I know. on this podcast. <laughs>
0: That's why we're number one in Europe, baby. And several other places. South
1: Korea still loves us. Do
0: they? Okay, good.
1: Hey, yeah, we're still in the top four, you said? You we know, four. Awesome, I saw. What are great. we
0: in the United States?
1: I think like 160.
0: <laughs> hey, it's just hot, the top 200. Top 200. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's how they base the album charts.
1: And then it would be the top like three hundred, four <laughs> hundred, top four hundred, or somewhere. He should be back any moment now. Hopefully.
0: Well maybe his maybe his uh his internet went completely out.
1: That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll be right back, I guess he pops up. He's killing the business worldwide. Hey, everyone, Vic Musk out here from Killing the Business worldwide. This episode is sponsored by Capco Championship Belts. Would you like a championship belt for yourself or as a present for that sports fan? That's where Capco comes into play. They are a small championship title belt maker company that specializes in recreations of some of your favorite pro wrestling championships, as well as customizations pieces for those who want their own personal championship belts. As, a tape, as the taping of this episode, we're offering a pre-pre-Black Friday discount for you for free shipping within the first 48 hours of this episode's upload date. With the code CAPCO, that's in all capital letters, C-A-P-G-O. Afterwards, for the following five days, we get to offer you a 20% discount on the shipping cross. The first deal lasts 48 hours, so pick up on it now. Order your championship at capcointernational.com or facebook.com and search for Capco. Thanks again, Capco, for sponsoring this episode. All right, we're back. Mr. Ellsworth came back. Welcome back.
2: I'm trying my best to stay here. We'll see. <laughs> Where
1: <laughs> well, are you guys at? I'm in Southern Vermont.
2: Vermont? That, that's They They still consider that a state? Yeah, just a small state. <clears throat> How about the other two guys? Where are you guys from? Georgia. Okay, Georgia. Kentucky. Man, you guys are all over the place. Oh yeah. Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. I'm here in Baltimore, Maryland. So
1: Hey,
2: Ravens are looking good. Woo. I I hope they keep it up, man. I do.
1: <laughs> I think so Mr.
2: I
0: think the whole I think the whole division going to play off.
1: How long did
2: you do independence until you got thin up? Fourteen years yeah 2002 to 2016 my math is correct yeah it's 14 years I just never stopped man never gave up uh one of the coolest stories I had I saw um I was flyering an event in Washington DC for a show we were having not too far from there um like a couple weeks later and it was at a John Cena signing this is like 2006 and um so I went up to John Cena and there's the it's on my TikTok this this video. I went up to John Cena and said, "Hey, my name's James. You know, I've been wrestling for four years at the time. um You know, and I can I get some advice?" And he's like, "Yeah, man. You know, you just got to keep working hard. Don't give up. Like, you know, you got you know just kind of like stuff you hear from other people, but it's so true." And I go, "All right, man. Well, listen, I'm gonna wrestle you some and I can't wait." And he goes, "All right, I'll see you then." And in 2017, that was 11 years later, I wrestled him. And that's that's just like a cool story, you know. <laughs> so, Did you remind him of that? Right before we walked out. I said, Hey man, um, 'cause they were in commercial for SmackDown. <laughs> it was um it was Carmella and I against him and Nikki Bella in a mixed tag match on SmackDown. And right before we walked out, they were in commercial for SmackDown. And I said, Hey man, real quick, I said, Look, um, you know, I have a I have a picture I want to show you after uh after the match. It's a picture of you and I from this signing back in two thousand six i said i told you i would wrestle you someday i said here we are and he goes seriously i was like yeah and he hugged me and he, and he said see that you just you know ha- like you know never give up like that's his catchphrase you know one of his catchphrases you, you just gotta if you have a dream man you gotta keep fighting for it that it? you it's old the day you drop
1: like you gotta keep fighting for it you know what's your opinion about logan paul being a youtuber being the
2: WWE and the United Paul's
1: States up. champion.
2: he He's oh. amazing, man. He looks the part. He's in great shape. He's a good-looking guy. He has a platform that gets new eyes onto the product. Um, he's obviously put the work in to learn the craft. Like, I mean, because he's really good in the ring. Like, for only being eight matches in, he's head, head over heels above a lot of people in the business already as far as an in-ring performer. He's athletic. He can talk. He's the he's the perfect WWE superstar. Like I'm sorry, like, I know people. Oh, well, he's a YouTuber, yet. So what? The guy he looks great. He's athletic
1: and he can talk. <laughs> and he saved Rey Mysterio from breaking his neck. Oh, don't give me that. That's what he, he did. did. He did. He did not. <laughs> Come <laughs> on. You, you know,
2: where he was at. Ray would have landed right on the top of his head.
1: Doesn't mean right. he's going to break his neck. He botched a move. It would have hurt. He it
2: would have hurt. Well, I mean, honestly, if you go back and watch it, like Logan saved, <laughs> it, saved it from being a botch, saved it from looking yeah. really bad. Yeah. But, Ray's hands were going to hit first and he was going to break his fall.
1: <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Thank <laughs> I mean, you. It was have been a botch, but it would have been like, you know, he just. He saved probably, it from being a botch. Yeah, he just <laughs> saved it from being a He probably went backstage and like, said, oh, I saved his life. And all the social media. <laughs> no. <up there. laughs>
2: no, he, I bet you he doesn't. He, I bet you he knew it was better than that.
1: But be, for him, just being most likely a part-timer with the U.S. UN United States Championship. Does that, are you okay with that in your opinion, or do you frown upon it?
2: Oh, no, I love it. Um, It's getting more eyes on the United States title. It makes it mean more. Um, it, it, it Like what we were talking about earlier, like the person makes the, the title, it's elevating that title. Now that title is going to be seen by people that have never seen it before, and then when he has a match for the U.S. title, it's going to mean more um it's it's great it's great for the united states title it's it's great um for wwe it's great for Logan paul everybody wins in this scenario um you know and people that hate on Logan paul is just i mean like the guy's winning real fights too <laughs> you know i'd be like he's knocking yeah. people out in boxing like the guy i'm a big fan man like you know it, i'm optimistic when you know people get in the ring that haven't done it before but like if you're an athlete and you look the part and you could talk and you're, you're you're doing everything that he's doing right you know who am I to say? Like the, the guys, I I, I can one
1: hundred percent understand why they put the United States title on him. Yeah, bringing back the NWA United States Championship. The value behind that? The NWA, The NWA. Why why not? You you then you create the intergender championship. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. That so was if fun. you can do that, I can bring back the NWA United States Championship.
2: Well, I don't know. You might get a letter in the mail if you do that
1: yeah i call it the anwa or something <laughs> about that intergender gender championship how did that come
2: about well you know the, the last couple of times you saw me on wwe i was like wrestling becky lynch i had to, did the money in the bank thing where i stole the money in the bank from the girls carmella was using me so my like last couple of months there the first time was all about the girls so when I went to the independents, I, I just didn't want to go wrestle independent shows as, oh, here's former WWE superstar James Ellsworth. I was like, let me do something unique. Let me let me get a story out of this. So I created this intergender title. I put up a list of girls I wanted to wrestle. And I, I, I wound up wrestling most of them on the list. And I got booked to wrestle girls all over the world and defend this title. Like independent promoters took to it. They're like, hey, bring the intergender title we'll wrestle. So-and-so, I mean, I, I wrestled in like, Canada with the title, the United States, Mexico, Europe,
0: <laughs> with this belt that I made <laughs> up
2: myself, you know? Like, I, what a classic run on the Indies, like, you know, and, and you guys, that was five years ago, and you guys still remember that, you know? Like, that's, we got to be creative. But I can't wait till I come up with something else, like, because I haven't, you know, like, I've been kind of, since then, I've been kind of former WWE superstar James Ellsworth, uh wrestling Regular matches on the indies, but I'll come up with something else. So I have a couple of ideas of what my next thing's going to be that's going to draw attention. And, um, like, look at Matt Cardona, uh, zach Ryder, he called himself the indie god. He wins all these belts on the indies, that's like his gimmick. And you know, it's working, people are booking them and people are putting their title on them because they want to be a part of that. And yeah. you know, people wanted to book me against girls to be a part of the ind- gender title thing. I mean, I wrestled with Chris Jericho's Cruise at a ring of honor show for the intergender title on the cruise against Jenny Rose. <laughs> like, I mean, I, like I wrestled Shotzi Blackheart, I wrestled Emma, I wrestled, I, Te- I, wrestled, I wrestled, uh, like, uh, Victoria, I wrestled, it was like, it was crazy, man. I was killing it. Uh, and you know, I, I'll, Penelope Ford, who's now in, um, AEW, like just a lot of girls with some name, you know, name value and Thunder Rosa. Um, just to name a few, like off the top of my head, it was, it was cool, man. Like I had a blast doing that.
0: How was the Jericho cruise?
2: You know, I, so it was four days. The first two days I loved it. I was having a time of my life, man. And then at two days, like the set last two days, I was like, all right, I already did everything. I'm going to swim home now. Like, I, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, but like I said, Jericho's great friend and great, great person. And uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I was the first ever Jericho cruise and I got to be a part of it. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever do any more ever again. We'll see. But if he calls me and asks me, I definitely probably would because I would do anything for the guy as he has done for me. But yeah, it was cool. You know, I don't, I'm don't. i not a really big cruise guy, but that that was
1: fun. When you were describing an intergender championship reign, it sounded like you just the way you sounded it sounded like it was those days were better than when you were in the Wwe what streak of your career would you put over the other
2: oh man well I mean, like the WWE runs the, the best like you know I like how guys say oh man I, I'm much happier after I left no no, no no you're making way more money WWE. you're you're got way more eyes on you you're on TV every week you're yeah you know, you're doing all this cool stuff you're getting action figures made of like that was a dream come true man like my favorite run in my wrestling career was with, uh, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles, that whole storyline. That was awesome. Like I, we had so much fun doing that. Um, that, you know, the couple months we did that. and it, it was a great story. What's the longest match you ever been in? So I wrestled, um, it was an indie show. This is like 2005 and I was green. I wasn't at all good yet. <laughs> and, um, we were in the, I was wrestling Sky Eric Chappell, who actually passed away a few years ago, which just an indie, indie guy. Um, and we had the like a lot of wrestlers, it was on an Air Force base, and a lot of wrestlers got stuck at the gate. Like, you know, the security was checking their car and all this. And they're like, Hey, you guys have to uh, keep wrestling. Like, the referees tell us, you guys have to keep going because we're waiting for the other wrestlers to get in. So, like, we're in the match, we're like, What? So, that, that match ended up being an hour long. Like, that was like, I, Like I said, like three years in at this time, that we got through it. Man, I was, I felt very sore after like an hour in a wrestling ring is like, you know, it's a long time. And, um, but you know, I look back on that, I don't think I've wrestled an hour since maybe like 45 minutes once or twice, but not an hour.
0: Crazy. I'm, I'm retired Air Force. What do you remember what base that was? Or where where it was was in
2: Dover, Dover, Delaware. Oh,
0: okay. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Scotty knows all the best. So, I think you blew up. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I blew up because I was, like, young back then. I was only, like, 19 or 20 in <laughs> 2005. So, if I was 17 in 2000, yeah, I was uh, 20, 20 years old. Uh, 19 turned about to turn 20. So, yeah, I, I wasn't blown up
1: yet. I, I still had a lot of wind back then. <laughs> <laughs> What's the strangest request you've gotten from a fan?
0: That's uh, uh, always a good one.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, like
2: I've I've had a fan go, "Hey, can I have your autograph on my arm?" And that, that doesn't sound strange. I'm like, "Yeah," and I autograph and it's like, "Cool, I'm gonna get that tattooed." I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty badass." And they did. Um, you know, I've had some. You know, I've had uh, some some guys ask me if they can uh, do do some things to me that I'm not into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I just, wow. I just politely said, no, I'm not into that. Thank you, though. Like, uh, <laughs> they're, like, well, yeah. they're like, I guess it wouldn't hurt to ask. And I'm, you know, <laughs> I, just, I just laugh it off, you know. Um, so, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but it, it's no, none of it bothers me, man. I, I don't get bothered by much. I really don't. What are the most important traits do you need to be good at your job? What? Like the stuff I was talking about earlier, um it's storytelling wrestling is it's the art the art form of professional wrestling is storytelling in and out of the ring so like i said facial expressions it starts here like axel used to tell me you gotta know how to talk you you gotta know how to connect with the audience a lot of that is for through verbiage and talking and then selling because if you're not selling the moves no one's buying it it just looks fake and phony and, and like bullshit if you're not selling the moves like i hate when people get hit with the Canadian destroyer and kick out. I'm like, the dude just flipped you into your head. Just lay there. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the three. Verbiage, uh, facial expressions, and selling. What would be James Ellsworth's dream match? Well, if you're talking all the time, Shawn Michaels, because he's my favorite wrestler. Um, That was, you know, the guy I always uh, wanted to be like, which, it's crazy, because my finisher one. WWE was no chin music, which was, you know, obviously a, a play off the uh, super kick and no uh, uh, sweet chin music. So, yeah, that would be my. If I had a, if I could only wrestle one guy,
1: they say, here's a, you know, pick
2: anybody you ever wanted to wrestle. And it, it would be Sean.
1: Do young wrestlers, when you go to their promotions in the indie scene to wrestle for, do they ask for your autograph?
2: Oh, yeah, but I mean,. Yeah, and I don't mind. Like, they'll ask me, especially pictures. Like, hey, can I am yeah, always I always tell them, take the photo. Take the photo. You want these memories. Like, I have photos of myself and Nikolai Volkov, myself and, like, Shad from um, Crime Time, myself yeah. and Jay Briscoe, and all these guys that, you know, passed away. Um, and I'm glad I'll have those photos to reminisce, you know, remember those times, you know? Yeah.
1: So it's not too weird if the younger guy asks for your picture or autograph, you just... No.
0: Yeah. I don't see why it would be. I mean, you're you're a you know a 20 year veteran.
1: Well, some people like to be it's... left alone. You know, you go there, you do your thing. You, do your yeah, yeah. you don't want to be like swamped or. Well, believe it or not, like I'm just
2: kind of not a dick, you know. <laughs> so I just like it's Like I, you know, I'm I'm very easygoing. Like if somebody asks me for a picture, I'm I'm very happy to take it because that means something to me too. That people even want to take a picture with me.
1: Who is the biggest dick that you have ever met in wrestling? Ooh, what a great question! Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be careful with this one. Um, man, it's a tremendous question. I, like, you know, I, I really was a big fan of um, before I got to WWE. I was a, like a big, big fan of um, like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And I'll say one of them wasn't as, as nice as the other. And
0: I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
2: so, I was a, I'm still a fan of them both. They're, they're tremendous wrestlers. But, you know, I won't stooge you on anybody, It's not the best but,
0: interaction with them. Yeah. Like,
2: which sucked. Which sucked. Because, you know, how they say, don't meet your heroes. And, like, one of them, I'm not going to say which one, um, you know, again, Well, it just wasn't just cool to be around. And I, that sucked because I was such a big fan of this person and still am. But, you know, that's all. Like, it, you know, but you know, in any job, you're going to have people you don't get along with. You're going to have people that don't like you for no reason whatsoever. Um, and, you know, but I, I got along with everyone, though, like at WWE. I, I had a great time. Like, I had one altercation, and that was it. And it, it just, and I was over a, a day later. And I think that person was over it as well. And we, you know, we saw each other after that. We're fine. But, you know, I just want everybody to get along and be happy and just have fun, you know? Would you go to the bathroom? Hey, Would you go yeah. back? <laughs> Someone took a took a dump. I got a small bladder. You uh, you passing a kidney My stone. Bladder a... is smaller than this.
1: <laughs>
2: little
0: <laughs>
1: guy, little bladder.
0: That's why. That's why you're drinking so much. You done broke the seal. Oof. Passing a kidney <laughs> stone. So can you just give us a little like hint? Which
1: one's the dick? It's
2: like, uh, is, the, is it the one no, we pretty, not, pretty, pretty much pretty out the and um and wrestling we we call it a stooge like I, we, I'm i not a stooge I'm not a rat I'm not a I don't, you know I like I love being an open book but I don't I don't stooge any, I don't want to call anybody a dick like the person's probably not even a dick anymore which is kind of a dick to me you know, for whatever reason I still don't know <laughs> but like we, we kind of made up after, you know after a while anyway but um you know they're both great performers, and um, you know they deserve everything they get. So,
1: other than don't be a stooge, what's the best advice you ever got been given?
2: Um, well, yeah, don't be a stooge is a good one. <laughs> uh, you know, just to ignore the ignorance. Uh, I love that saying, "Ignore the ignorance," because there's going to be a lot of ignorance, and in any line of work, there's going to be people rude to you. There's going to be people clamoring for your spot. There's going to be people jealous of you, which I hate the word jealous. I don't think anybody should be jealous of anybody because we're all, we all got the same ending, you know, so we all need to really just not be jealous of each other and try to be happy in our own skin. Um, But yeah, like, ignore the ignorance is the best
1: advice i ever got. Do you think social media ruins kayfabe in professional wrestling?
2: Well, it doesn't help it. (laughs) Definitely it Social media, is it, it's a double-edged sword. It, it's great and it's terrible at the same time. It's full of, you know, promotion. And a lot of guys get to get their name out there easier. And, you know, let, like people can o- be an open book to you like you and I are now. And then there's people that, you know, just tell lies about people or spread rumors or, you know, just bad mouth people. And all, all the negativity comes with that as well. So it's a double-headed sword, for sure. Double-bladed sword, as I should say.
1: Most of the negativity comes from X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it these days.
2: Yeah, yeah. Twitter's you know probably the worst.
1: And, you know,
2: like again, ignore the ignorance. Well,
1: you know, I have Scotty. So. <laughs> Go next.
0: I bring the. What is your opinion, Mr.
2: Ellsworth? What is your opinion of the F word, the fake? Oh, I thought you meant. Um, yeah,
1: that it's like,
2: well, wrestling's definitely not fake. It hurts. Anything that hurts is not fake. Like, you feel real pain. I mean, it's predetermined. It's a show. with you know, you're telling stories. But no, like, it's not fake. It it, it hurts. <laughs> you know, and I, I hate when people make it look fake by acting like the ring doesn't hurt when they're slammed and pop it right back up instead of selling it. I don't like that. But. Yeah, it, it's not fake. It 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 truly hurts.
1: But when you see someone saying on social media it's fake, you just I guess ignore the ignorance. Yep. Again, I'm like, they don't know what the hell is going on. I don't worry about them. <laughs> what about the people that you know? The competitors, the AEW.
2: What about
1: them? Like, what? Like, what do you think about? It? Because, and social media seems like a civil war between WWE and AEW fans. I mean, like, what's your opinion on all the back and forth and swinging mud? Uh,
2: it's so goofy, man. Like, just just watch what you personally think is entertaining, whether it's AEW, WWE, or both, or maybe you like some stuff on AEW and you don't like other stuff. Maybe you like some stuff with WWE and you don't like other stuff on there. That's how I am. There's stuff on AEW I like, there's stuff on AEW I don't like. There's stuff it's- on WWE I like, and there's stuff with WWE I don't like. It's not... One against the other, but like I, I no, just okay. watch TV. I just want to be entertained, and I, you know, if something don't entertain me, I just switch the channel.
0: That's all. Like going back to the Monday Night Wars. Okay, yeah, it was a competition. They were trying to put each other out of business. I didn't see it that way. I was loving it. All yeah. that entertainment. I flip. I was a channel switcher. Me I went back and forth yeah. because I knew what I liked, what I didn't like. I liked certain things on Raw. I liked certain things on Nitro, and yeah. it was it was great. So I, I'm glad that we're we're living through that again. Yeah, well, it's it's not the same because it's not really a competition. WWE's no. way bigger, AW,
2: but and they're not on the same nights. Um, it's not like it, it is different from Nitro and Raw from back in the day. Like they were like you know fighting for ratings against each other. Where to this day and age they're not, you know, and. WWE's like part of American pop culture now, which AEW's like it's this new fresh thing, and people right. enjoy it. It's great for the business, but nothing's gonna ever come close to WWE ever again, in my humble opinion.
1: Well, WWE's worth how much now? <laughs> nine, like billion. nine billion. Nine billion dollars, I believe, is the number. Well, AEW got
2: two billion, so seven billion more to go. No, nah, they're I, the aw. They haven't even turned a profit yet. Like honestly, like they haven't. They're not like they haven't made a profit. <laughs> it's Like I just love like, you look and do the research and all. Um, and you know it, it takes a while to make a profit. Like the, uh, Endeavor, who just bought WWE, they're going to be in the hole for a while because they bought it for nine billion dollars. Like it's it's going to take them maybe twenty years to make that back. Like it's you know um, but. I hope everybody does well, man. I, I, I want the, everybody to do good in the business, to thrive, and us to, you know, have as much wrestling to watch as possible.
1: Imagine you can make nine billion dollars in twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's...
2: Well, Vince made it one day when he sold it to
1: Endeavor. It's <laughs> crazy.
2: Have you seen recent photos of Vince? I saw a recent video of him and the Undertaker from the
1: uh, fight oh, in Saudi Arabia with the stash. Yeah. <laughs> he looks different. What do you think about his condition with his back?
2: I mean, he's getting older, right? He's like 79, 80 years old, right? Like I mean, he still looks great for like an 80-year-old man. Um you know, I hope Vince lives to be 120. <laughs> I, I I have nothing but love for Vince, man. He gave me my dream and he's very good to me, so I um you know, I hope he lives like uh, you know as long as he could possibly live and um, you know, he's 79, 80 years old and he
1: looks better than most people that age. where do you see yourself in 5 years?
2: Uh, probably like passed out uh drunk something. Nah. Um 5 years, I feel like I got another run left in me. You know, like I my goal is to be, you know, when I was with Carmela, I was like a manager in a managerial role and I I thought my character was great with that, right? So now that I'll be 40 years old next year, I see myself like trying to get more into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Bobby Brain Heenan, Jim Cornette, Paul Heyman esque, you know, role where I could be a manager and get another TV run out of it. Like I, I I feel like my character plays that role very well. And I, and I think I have more to offer as a talent in a role like that. So that's where I see myself in five years is one back on WWE television in a role like that
1: what events do you have coming up well i got i'm at
2: the big event in new york One um saturday it's a big signing i mean there's wwe superstars there there's uh you know talent uh, former talent such as myself there um like uh, i mean uh, brian danielson maria ripley's gonna be there the bella twins mandy rose like um you know, just to name a few, it's a huge event this uh, Saturday in, in New York. Look it up, Um Then I'll be at MCW in Ridgely, Maryland, November 18th. Then I'll be at Russell Cade, November 24th for 25th in what's Salem, North Carolina. Another big signing. Then November 26th, I'll be here in uh, Baltimore, Maryland for ACW, ACWTIX.com. And that's my November.
1: <laughs> so, Scotty, Max, any questions, thoughts?
0: Go ahead, Max. Would you be willing, Mr. Elworth, would you be willing to wrestle a midget?
1: Oh,
2: yeah, I have. I've wrestled Hornswoggle a couple of times. I wrestled Swartzy Sampson. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, man. it's entertaining for me to wrestle uh, a, a little person, as they say.
1: Not easier work.
2: Uh, oh, it's fun. Like uh, the Hornswoggle with German suplex beat, he would just come right behind me and
0: do it. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fun. Book it, Max. Make it happen. Hell yeah. Oh, I
1: can. And I shall.
0: <laughs> let's let's go.
2: Dude, it's it, it'll be so entertaining. The people see the people that paying the tickets to watch it'll love it. So where can these people find you on social media? I'm at Instagram at James Ellsworth Wrestling. I'm at Twitter at Real Ellsworth or X, whatever the hell they call it now. TikTok James Ellsworth WWE, which is funny. Some people go, why is WWE still in your name? I'm like, where where do you know me from? Well, WWE, that's why it's in my name. I rest <laughs> my case. <game. Yeah. laughs> <So.
0: laughs>
2: uh, and that's yeah. I I am trying to get more into the TikTok. It's I don't know. I, I it, it confuses me at times.
1: Yeah, I'm I try with TikTok, but it's, I'm too old. I
0: Yeah, I can't generation. I can't keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm trying.
1: Where can people buy any, your
2: merchandise? I oh, just you know, message me on Instagram at James Ellsworth Wrestling, and I usually get back to people like that. That's how I pretty much handle that, um, and it works.
1: It works out. No middleman. I like that. Yeah. Scotty, Max, Any final questions? Thoughts?
0: Hey, man. It's uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, good luck to you. It's been it's it's been a pleasure watching you work. Uh, glad you're still going and doing what you love. Uh, if you're ever down in the South, in the South Carolina, Georgia region, let me know. Yeah, I'll be well. Uh, what's the sale of North Carolina? Like I said, at Russell Cade, so come yep.
2: come
1: me out. And you're talking is to that you a, well. Is
0: That in Charlotte? It's what's the sale of North Carolina? Salem. Okay, so you're farther north. Okay. Yeah. Next,
1: do you have your Kentucky
2: license? I probably do. If not, I'll get it. Like I got my blood work and all,
0: you know, all that yeah. stuff. He's already setting man, us up. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna ready. say, man,
2: after you're 50, you have to go through a thorough physical yeah, well, every I'm, single I, year. I'll be 40 next year, but um, <laughs> I I've been I've wrestled I in Kentucky. I've wrestled in Kentucky for WWE, and I think I did an indie there. Either way, like. I'll get, I know how to get the licenses and all that because you know I, I get them all over the country. So Just let me know, man. Uh, message me on uh, my email there and uh, we'll get it set up. Most definitely, sir. It was a pleasure and an honor meeting you and speaking
0: to you, sir. You
1: too, my man. Hopefully, we'll get to have our match. Definitely. Take hey, a hey, document manifest Manif- the show, next.
0: Yes, please document it.
1: You got to document it.
0: Oh, we shall. Do you have, a,
1: do you have an Eagles hat on? Me? Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Yes, Wolf. he does. Man, after like the Cowboys,
2: like Dak Prescott, he just can't finish games. <laughs> you know, he just can't do it. Like he
1: can't, he can't do it.
2: Like, well, well, the Eagles—they cost me money at the Super Bowl, so screw them too. But uh,
1: <laughs> you yeah, don't want to talk about that one. That was, yeah. That was We'll no, be,
2: eh. be, be back this year. There's no other team in the NFC but the Forty ers have already fell off. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. The Eagles will be back there.
1: Yeah, with Jalen Hurts' knee gets worse. I don't know.
2: I think they'll be there. So nice talking to you guys. We're all going to watch Raw now, right? I'm going to watch Raw and
1: probably go to sleep because I'm tired. All right. Thank you very much for your time, James that was worth it. Thank Appreciate you guys. guys. Take care. God bless. Take care, How man.
0: Have a good one. And
1: good. we'll be right back. <laughs> Hey everyone, Vic Muscat here from Killing the Business Worldwide. This episode is sponsored by Capco Championship Belts. Would you like a championship belt for yourself or as a present for that sports fan? That's where Capco comes into play. They are a small championship title belt maker company that specializes in recreations of some of your favorite pro wrestling championships as well as customizations. For those who want their own personal championship belts As as the taping of this episode We're offering a pre-pre-Black Friday discount for you For free shipping within the first 48 hours of this episode's upload date With the code CAPCO That's in all capital letters C-A-P-G-O Afterwards, for the following five days, we get to offer you a 20% discount on the shipping cost. The first deal lasts 48 hours, so pick up on it now. Order your championship at CapcoInternational.com or Facebook.com and search for Capco. Thanks again, Capco, for sponsoring this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thank you for joining us. My guest right now, he is the host of Year One Wrestling Podcast. He has also been running Chaos, the professional wrestling world, for 16 years. And the man with the coolest X-handle I've ever seen, I swear to God. He is the king of chaos, Logan Black. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. And, uh,
3: hope you're doing fine. I'm stoked to, uh, stoked to be on.
1: Let's make it happen. It's a little colder I am right now, but everything's good besides that.
3: Oh, it was like sixty when I went out earlier. It is lovely here in uh, in Brooklyn.
1: Man, must be nice. You it is nice. We have beautiful weather. You have awesome pizza. I mean, it's real good. I, there's really
3: nothing to complain about in Brooklyn at this point. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be eating my words by the weekend when it starts hitting like forty again. But you know,
1: for now, it's great. How much is a slice of pizza in Brooklyn these
3: days? Uh, see, it depends where you go, man. It's if you go to a spot that where they know that like people are coming through and they know that like, it's well-known, I mean, you could pay anywhere near five bucks for a slice, but you know, it's a pretty big slice. Um, there are also the dollar pizza spots are now dollar 50 pizza spots. Those aren't particularly that good, but like, if you want to spend a dollar and, uh, or $2, you get two slices, you just walk down the street and eat. I mean, who's going to complain about that, but yeah, anywhere from three to five bucks for a good slice over here. And the way everything is costing these days, five bucks for a big slice isn't bad. No, it honestly really isn't. Truth be told, I mean, you're getting like, if they're charging that much, you're getting high-level New York pizza, which, you
1: know,
3: yeah. truth be told, you can get it on any corner in uh, in any of the
1: boroughs. So with your wrestling career, if you could describe it using one word, what word would that be and why? Messy.
3: <laughs> I'd say chaos, but I figure that's, uh, that's too on the nose. No, I would say messy because you know, just I, th- I think wrestling in general is a very messy thing, and it's crazy and ridiculous and wild and all these like, you know, again, you know, pardon the the, the pun here, but you know, it's, it's incredibly chaotic. It's it's just the way that it is. But I think that's why uh, I enjoy it and why I thrive in it uh, is because it is that crazy and chaotic and messy, so to speak. Uh, and also, you know, things in wrestling just you know have so many twists and turns and craziness. So like. You know, messy. I think works
1: quite well. Now, when you were growing up, did you always want to be a professional wrestler, or was it something that just fell in your lap? And you're like, "Hey, I'm good at this," and you've been killing it.
3: Well, I mean, I was always a fan of of wrestling. My uh I, I grew up so my my grandfather remarried three times, so I had like six or seven uncles growing up. All of them wrestling fans. Um, Uh, my uncle Scott and my uncle Joe both lived in like New York city, midtown proper. And if you watch raw from like the first two years when they were in the Manhattan center, you could see them camera side every time at these two goofy, uh, looking guys just right there, same seats every week, camera side. So like, I, you know, I, I had really good introductions to, uh, you know, people putting wrestling into my life and I just was a whole fan my entire life. And then, uh, I think my senior year of high school was basically me going like, yeah, I could do this. I, I want to do this. I don't know if I can, but I want to do this. Because I, I think every wrestling fan hits a certain point in uh, in their fandom where they kind of need to figure out like, hey, do you want to be a a fan the rest of your life? Do you want to show up to shows with like title belts? Do you want to go to conventions and take pictures with people? Or do you want to attempt to like find your way into this? Bit? Is your love for this? <clears throat> on one side of the guardrail or the other and um i i you know played hockey growing up i always played sports uh and i was like you know what let me try this and uh, i never expected to be particularly great with it you know whether regardless of you know, whatever your opinion is on my uh my in-ring abilities uh you know i never thought that i was going to be you know what it turned out to be but you know i just put the time in and You know, put my nose to the pavement, and, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, I very much, like, couldn't have imagined when I started where I am right now. But, you know, being a lifelong fan, it's, you know, I'm literally still living my dream. I got to ask, Rangers or Islanders? Neither. I'm a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Have been my entire life. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, that's good. That's a good choice. Yeah, listen. When I was growing up, it was Lemieux, Yager, Ron Francis, Tom that they, they had the best front line in hockey. So it hasn't quite left me, even though I'm not a a massive fan of uh, of Sid the Kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's still, you know, an all time great. Can't deny it.
1: Everyone seems to forget about Mario Lemieux.
3: I don't know why. The
1: guy was, you know,
3: legitimately was my my inspiration as as a young kid. It was, you know, a cancer survivor who. uh you know, left to get cancer treatment, uh, like serious life-threatening cancer, and then came back and, like, continued to crush it. And, you know, still retired while being at the
1: top of the game. So what are some of the, uh, the matches that you remember as a kid that you became fans of? <clears throat> um, Man. So, oh, you have to excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh,
3: so I think growing up... Um, I watched basically everything wrestling. Uh, if, if there was wrestling related to any of it, I was, I was watching it. And uh, I took in a lot of this stuff. And I'm trying to remember back when I was a kid, like the matches that really still to this day stick out to me. I think one of the biggest ones, uh, and I'll tell you the story why, is um, Warrior and Macho Man. Um, I believe, you know, whatever WrestleMania was from. It's a big deal for me because I watch it live with um, my best friend, Kevin. Who he was a huge Macho Man fan. I was a huge Warrior fan, and the whole time we're like cheering, you know, against one another and all that. And again, because I'll, I'll never forget it, because Macho Man lost and Kevin just broke down crying because I was just abusing the hell out of him about it. And I had to go, oh, don't worry, man, man, he'll win next time. Don't worry." And just I'll never forget that. It's hilarious. I still, I still like tease him about it to this day. Uh, and you know, it's a conversation piece. Uh, another match that stands out to me. Uh, like from being like an actual kid watching wrestling. Uh, again, I had those uncles who were huge wrestling fans. They would tape ECW for me because I couldn't stay up till, uh, you know, two in the morning to catch it on the MSG network. Uh, and the first tape, uh, that I remember them, uh, said giving to me was the main event was, um, what was it? The television title four way was Jericho, two cold Scorpio, Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two. And, yeah. uh, like, I'll just never forget that because, you know, Francine pulling down her skirt. What, what am I at the time? I guess it was like 95, so I had to have been like eight years old, nine years old, whatever it was. And just pulling down her skirt and she's got the thong that says franchise on it. And, like, I had watched this tape in at, at a friend's house because, like, you know, kids, everybody loves wrestling. Everyone's a huge wrestling fan. And I'm like, oh, I've got this wrestling and it's so much cooler than what you see on Raw or on WCW Saturday night. We put this tape in and we're at his grandmother's house and she just loses her mind. But she's like, What are you watching? I was like, Yeah. You know, I I was the guy that exposed everyone to ECW. So that's, you know, the other the other fond memory of matches you're on up.
1: Man, recording your wrestling, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? Oh,
3: absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny. Like when I broke into wrestling, I was still like deep into like the vhs tape trading scene because like you know that was a big deal you know before youtube really took off and uh you know you you, you couldn't get anything like at your fingertips there was tape trading and like when i first started doing that when i first broke into wrestling it was literally vhs tape trading and i had to like ask my uncle who had like a double tape deck to do me favors to get all this stuff. And then it eventually became DVDs and it was so much easier. And, you know, now everything is at your fingertips, but yeah, that is like a bygone era that like nobody thinks about at this point. It's like actual recording tape off of TV and like having that to watch. And like you bring that into school and everybody trades the pay-per-view, you know, from the, from
1: the weekend before. Ah, memories. You have to go back in wrestling magazines to get like the cactus Jack in Japan type matches. Oh, yeah. It's built to you without a label on it or anything. Yep, exactly. And you didn't even know, like, again, like you're,
3: and this is even before the internet, because, like, I know I talked to people who were, you know, into tape trading before the internet, because the internet at least, you know, oh, like, I know this person's information. Like, if they scam me, they screw me up. Back in the day, it was literally through, like you said, the magazines. Where like somebody was like, "Hey, I've got this collection. Who wants it?" And like you're literally sending money to a complete stranger and just hoping at some point in the next month you're gonna get that tape in the uh, in the mail, <laughs> a grainy tape of Cactus Jack taking bumps on barbed wire.
1: As the artist said, "You can send me cash." And of course, we're <laughs> dumb to send cash. I was like, "Okay, you know, some cash." <laughs>
3: It's your only option at that point.
1: So what states are you currently re- uh, licensed to wrestle in?
3: Licensed to wrestle in. Um, you know what it is, You know, There's so many states that don't require a license to do it. I know that I've gotten licenses in Virginia and Washington, D.C., even though, like, nobody's running in D.C. at this point because uh, D.C.'s athletic commission is absolute trash. All athletic commissions are trash. What am I saying? Um where else? There a lot of stuff escaped me. I just again I've spent so many years wrestling all over the place that like a lot of this stuff just escapes me. When I know that somebody needs, you know, a license for me, I get that ahead of time or any of that stuff. But otherwise I'm I'm literally just like showing up and uh, you know, and following the money, so to speak.
1: How hard is it to get a wrestling license these days?
3: Oh, it's super easy. That's why it's a joke. okay right well listen now you're getting the true chaos of 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 talking to me in that like you know how much i absolutely hate like any governing body over professional wrestling because it's a joke like uh you know what did i need for my dc license i needed to send in some of my information i needed a blood test which you know blood test is fair you can respect that but like you know anybody can get a blood test anybody can go to a, a spot and you know Get one of those. Anybody can send in their information. How many different states have licenses where all you need to do is just fill out some paperwork? And like anybody can do that. You don't actually have to be trained. You don't actually have to be good. You don't have to be at a level where you're not, you know, ready to snap somebody's neck. You could just get it, which is why
1: it's a joke. It's well, you have so many kids that's entitled these days who feel like you know they go to one wrestling class and it's like, oh, okay, I could, I could be like a main eventer right now or whatever. Just feel entitled. Well, I mean, truth be told,
3: this is this is going back before now. This is, like, going way back. Like, there was never, like, I'm trying to think, like, I, I remember Johnny, because I, I was trained by Johnny Rods, or barely trained by Johnny Rods, but Johnny used to talk to us and show us, like, the old wrestling licenses in New York from, like, the 70s, where, like, I think there had to be, like, a level of, like, reputable something in order to get it. I could be totally wrong about that. But, like, you know, there was a certain point where, like, You know, athletic commissions would at least keep tabs on like who runs schools. And like, you know, now it's a little bit harder because, like, you know, what makes a school legit, what doesn't make it legit, I don't know. Uh, But there's so little that it requires to make it in that, like, again, like you said. Somebody could have one training class or even no training classes. They could sit there and go, eh, I could do this, and they could just get, you know, a wrestling license. I could set my daughter up for a wrestling license and no one's got anything to say about it. I guarantee I can get her one. And that's the, the
1: craziest part of all this. I have some guy hung over the next day. It's like this is stamp, stamp, stamp. And I was like Right, listen, if if you send fifty dollars into uh,
3: the uh you know the athletic commissions of various states, you too could be a
1: licensed professional wrestler. So that's how they they hung over the next day because they take the money you send to them and buy the liquor. There you go. <laughs> so, what is your primary finishing maneuver, and why is he a finisher of choice?
3: Uh, I, I like to use the lariat. I'm uh grew up being a massive fan of Stan Hansen. Uh, still to this day, love me some Stan Hansen, and uh, you know, Stan was just a big boy who would try and take your head off, and I think that's. You know, work for me. Where like I'm, I'm willing to put my own well being on the line, throwing my arm across your face, and uh, it it has become quite a uh, quite successful for me. I mean, there's, there's other things that I'll use here and there, but my last ditch, my you know, never fail is always Larry. I got it tattooed
1: on me, so you know, it's, it's got some meaning. Halloween Havoc, 1990, Stan Hansen versus Lex Wuger. Oh yeah, the title the upset, everyone was just like shocked because Hanson pinned Luger cleanly.
3: I mean, truth be told, nobody was going to tell Hanson that he wasn't going to go over cleanly. Uh, but also a, a surprisingly really great match. You know, Lex Luger matches aren't exactly touted as being like, uh, you know, ones to watch, but Stan and Lex made it work. They did really good, really well together.
1: Like back then it was like a su- shock that Stan Hanson won the title. Do you think social media kind of like Ruins professional wrestling a little bit with all the leaks and the dirt sheets and everything. I mean, I think you make an excellent point.
3: Uh, I, I There was a purity to, you know, turning on wrestling and like not knowing what was there. But I think that, so I think it's a yes and no. I think there's definitely like, it, it cheapens in. It doesn't make it as fun when, you know, there's all these leaks and like, you could look anywhere on the internet and like, Sports Illustrated is covering like the insides and outs of the business. But at the same time, you know, in you know going back to the 70s, the 80s and the 90s, there was always, you know, the insider newsletters. Um and you know, all these things, you know, there's a reason why like the ECW crowd back in the day would chant, you know, you sold out to guys who were you know, were going to WWF or WCW cuz they knew cuz they were all on like the beginning of the internet, they were all getting the dirt sheets. And now, truth be told, I don't think, well, rather, not that I don't think, there are very few wrestling fans that are not either on the internet or in the know on things. Uh, and I think that's the big difference. I think that's more what cheapens things, is that the the casual wrestling fan, the, oh, I'm flipping through the channels, and oh, I see this craziness. I'm going to leave the channel. That doesn't exist anymore. Everyone who's watching wrestling, for the most part, is going to be deliberate. And... uh all those people are all you know engaged on the internet and engaged in all the the rumor mills and stuff so i do think it cheapens things but i also think that that's just like a natural uh natural evolution of of
1: entertainment i guess it's a double edged sword exactly that's an excellent way to put it so what championships have you held in your career oh boy
3: um if I sat here and started like running them down, like I'd forget stuff, and I feel uh, weird about okay. it. Just,
1: uh, let, me, let me face a question: What championships have you won that meant the
3: most to you? Um, that's an excellent. That see, that's a. a bunch of, I think uh, winning the uh, Pioneer Valley Pro uh, Tag Team Championship with Jeremy Leary uh, years ago meant a whole lot, and it just felt really good to um to be recognized. You know, it's. I wrestle a lot, or I spent a lot of time wrestling in uh, Western Massachusetts, and, you know, I'm just a fucking dumb kid from New York, uh, and Western Mass kind of has adopted me, and, and you know, lo- they, they, they love me. Uh, they love me or they love to hate me, but, you know, th- there's an emotional reaction there. So to be recognized by, you know, promotion and the people there uh, for the work that I put in, just uh, that one in particular really stood out to me, and that felt uh,
1: pretty awesome. It's amazing how much of a independent wrestling presence is in the New England area. Without a doubt, I think honestly, like New England has been a hotbed of
3: professional wrestling for a long time. And if you ask, like, you, you kind of keep your eyes on different like areas that uh you know you see like what is starting to pop up. I'm really big on this because you know I, I run you know T Two T Wrestling Academy, and uh, you know I like to be in the know on things so that I know like to tell my students, hey, keep an eye on this, keep an eye on that, or, like, check out what's going on here. Um, Texas had a really good scene for a while, and I think that's kind of like – I mean, not, this is not me saying that there's not phenomenal talent in all these. Like, there's phenomenal talent all over the place. But in terms of, like, where the eyes are, Texas had some time on it. and was good. The Midwest is like a roller coaster where, like, sometimes uh, – years ago, the Midwest was really the hotbed, and then it died down. And now I think it's on its way back up. Uh, but New England has kind of stayed there where they're like, OK, the eyes are always on that. There's no real eyes on like Metro New York. There's no real eyes on like New Jersey uh, specifically. The eyes are on New England. And that's why you have so many people moving from different parts of the country all up to that area so that they can make beyond, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, wrestling open on Thursdays and um What's the other, the the one that was running on Wednesdays, and then you've got, like, the Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Like, you could, seriously, if you really put your nose to the ground and you really put the work in, you could wrestle five times a week uh, in New England, which is crazy to think about, because that's a a rough schedule. But if you look at people, again, like, like, TJ Crawford is a a Jersey guy, or, you know, at least for a while was a Jersey guy, now he's a New England guy. Uh, Aaron Rourke, uh, world-traveled wrestler, started out in, in Long Island, and it stayed in New England because that is really where you know you get great. And these people have gone from like good to great to incredible. Um, so I will always put New England over as like the hotbed uh, of professional wrestling.
1: Well, I think with Texas, you know, you have the Von Erichs coming from there, and you know, they're such a great wrestling family. Of course, Texas will have more eyes on them, but New England area is is pretty much just New England area. Well, I mean, the, the great thing about New England, too,
3: um, is that well, I want to say first, like Texas, like I'm talking even more recent with Texas, where you had like Dante Leone and um, uh, Ninja Mac, like who were like, t- those are Texas guys. And like now they're world traveled athletes who are tearing it up because, you know, uh, Texas also has the ability to get all this talent uh, from Mexico in. So you would have all this Lucha influence. Um, so you were like bringing out like the hardcore and the Lucha And then Brian Keith is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, But the great thing about New England is, is again, if you're like central to like Boston or Worcester or, you know, Rhode Island, you could hit Maine and you could hit Connecticut and you could hit Massachusetts and you could do all that. And all these spots are all within like a four or five hour drive for you. So it's like you could do these shows and end up in your bed every night, you know, and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, And I think that's why it works so well because there's enough room and everybody kind of gets it. And again, the talent there is so ridiculous. Got to ask about fast. Yankees or Red Sox? Oh, man, I want to say neither. Um, It depends on the week. I'm going to be honest with you, man. It depends on the week. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a New Yorker. So, like, you know, you see Yankee caps everywhere you go. But also, like, the Red Sox are a dynasty, too. But also, it's like one of those things where, like, as much as I hate Yankee fans, I think I hate Red Sox fans even more. Like, you know, the fandom ruins it for you, you know what I mean? Right. You're absolutely right. The fans do ruin a lot of stuff for you. I'll never forget, in, in sixth grade, my, my class did a trip to uh, Boston. It was a three-day trip to Boston. You uh, we were going to see, you know, all the, you know, founding father stuff and all this. But the first night, we went to Fenway for a a Red Sox game. And of course, it's a, it's a you know, a, two buses filled with, you know, 12-year-old, Boys and girls who are all from New York and all obnoxious as hell. But, like, you know, a bunch of us are wearing Yankee caps because that's what we just wore around. And of course, it had to have been like college age guys. There's, you know, trying to pick fights with us uh, over wearing Yankee caps. And it's like, we're 12 years old. What are you doing? And my buddy Andrew was like yelling back with them and wasn't backing down. And he gained their respect and they offered him a beer. And literally, the teacher saw them like, all right, now it's time to go. And they ushered us all out. <laughs> Oh boo, Come on, teach. Listen, as, a, as a, I twelve years old, I get it. Last thing you want is, a, is a, as a drunk twelve year old. <laughs> uh, it's like back in those days. It's like my dad would given me a beer. Oh, you both a little? You know, th- th- dad gives I- you a little something, mom gives you a little something. I don't think uh there was it Miss Miss Love it uh, in sixth grade social studies was going to give anybody a beer. You know, nah. Nah, Terrible,
1: it <laughs> up a little bit. Jesus, it's a once in a lifetime trip. Come on, nah. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't condone unraged drinking. I don't. <laughs> so what do you think was the biggest victory in your career or biggest match of your career?
3: Oh, boy, that's an interesting question. Um, biggest match of my career. Um, I want to say the one that I had at uh, WrestleVille last year against Manders, uh, the you know no-DQ match that we did where we just bled buckets all over each other. That was a big match of my career uh working Effie's big gay brunch uh this you know a couple months back that was also a huge match you know live on live on g c w pay per view that was huge um the uh, there's a Blitzkrieg pro show that we did in springfield um it was myself and jeremy leary against the batiri against uh uh m s p uh and that i, I mean you know I think just as a match and, like, feeling the crowd out and all that stuff, like, that was another huge one. Uh, those are just the, the few that
1: come to mind that are just, like, you know, near and dear to my heart. I did read that, that um, you came out, which, first of all, I, could, could, I applaud you for that because so many Thank people you. feel like the judgment casts over you and people can't be themselves, and I'm very disgusted when people feel like that judgment, you know, anyways – how did that come about? Like, how did you like decide to like announce to the wrestling world, and how was did it? How was it taken? Oh, so I mean, anybody who knew me kind of knew because I, you know, I'm I'm
3: not exactly quiet about it, but at the same time, like I was just kind of like, eh, whatever, it's not a big deal. And then there was some Twitter thread about like, hey, you know, sound off if you're, you know, within the uh, the community, and I kind of just like I quote tweeted it with something like, hey, people who've known, known, but yeah. And that was like, I just was like, whatever, like, I'll leave it at that just because, you know, some Twitter engagement. And it blew up. Like, I guess a lot of you know people did, did, didn't know, didn't know. And like other people did. And I think, you know, it was like, oh, man. And then Out Sports reaches out to me for uh, for an interview. And I'm like, oh, man. And then like all this going on. And I think it was all a big deal and it mattered a lot to me. But I think the biggest thing for me and why I realized like, yeah, this was like, you know, this was a good thing to do. And it was important for me to do it was like other friends of mine who have since come out. Um mm-hmm. going like, hey, like, I appreciate you doing this. I don't know if I'm ready to do this, but, you know, it meant a lot to see you say this and, you know, have the courage to and go about the way you did. And that that was honestly that's that's all I needed was like people going like, Hey, like, this is the representation we needed. And like that's how I'm looking at it at this point. It's like, you know, I grew up uh, you know, the same way everybody else did, um, you know, I was, I was lucky to have, you know, family and friends and and parents that were like awesome and accepting and all that kind of stuff. So like, I learned love and I learned tolerance, but like, there are a lot of people that don't, and there are a lot of people that grow up in like bodies like mine that are like, I'm a very masculine dude. I'm big, I'm beefy. Uh, you know, it's, you know, people were surprised when they found out. So like, I think people who are similar to me, who are like, you know, I guess don't necessarily fit like what the mold is of what a lot of, you know, a lot of people view as, you know, somebody who's in the LGBTQ community uh, to be able to be like, hey, you're not alone. You've got me, Um, you know, as little, as minuscule as my celebrity is, putting it to good use, I suppose, is the biggest deal that it was for me and why it was so important for me.
1: Well, you are aware that you're somewhat of a trailblazer for doing that because, you know, even if it only helps, like, three kids, five kids, Still, it's three to five kids that you right. know.
3: And that, that's exactly how I looked at it. It was like, there's, you know, if there's one person who is like kind of just struggling with things and doesn't feel like they belong and all that kind of stuff, it's like, hey, there's me. And, and again, like there were so many, I was so surprised by the amount of people that reached out who were like, yeah, I was in that same position. And, you know, it is good to see that kind of representation. And, you know, I think all of them eventually did you know, publicly come out, uh, but they weren't at the time. A lot of them were like, hey, I'm not ready for it yet, but like, you know, this was really good to see. And that's really, again, that's all that mattered to me. I just, you know, uh, if if, all all the the aggression, all the smack talk, all the stuff that I, you know, put out there as, you know, the character of Logan Black more than anything is I just, you know, whether it be that, whether it be T2T Wrestling Academy or anything, I just want to leave a positive impact and that's about it.
1: Well, you have Logan Black, the you know, the character, and then you have Logan Black, the human being. Sure, yeah.
3: I mean, you know, they're they're not too different from each other, but also they're very uh, very similar. If that makes
1: any sense. So, since you're the king of chaos, what's the hardest weapon you've ever been hit with? The hardest weapon I've ever been hit with. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um... That you remember because I know some shit. Well, shots that's the, that's that the thing
3: have... is that when you get hit with weapons enough, you start to forget things because uh, they turn your brain into applesauce. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, so <laughs> here's a funny one. Um, I think the hardest weapon that I've ever been hit with was a stop sign. And, you know, not the you have know, chairs are snug and, you know, ladders are snug and, you know, baseball bats and, you know, all, all the, the spiky things that like make you bleed. But... Um, th- the, the biggest thud that kind of had me actually seeing like Tweety Birds was um was a stop sign. I was in a match with Ken Anderson, and the finish of the match supposed to have uh, my buddy he used to wrestle for uh for Blitzkrieg Juba, uh, as a good good buddy of mine. But at the end of it was supposed to have Juba come out dressed as Santa Claus because Juba's a big chubby felon. It was hilarious, uh, and he pulls out of his um, Santa sack a stop sign and brains me with it, and. I turn into it and I didn't put my hands up because I was like, eh, it's the finish of the match, you know, let's just go for it. And he hits me and just boom. And I'm seeing Tweety Birds. And I've got the first person to come over and like check on me was was Ken. And he comes over and like he's getting in my face, you know, doing like the smack talk. Somebody gets knocked out and he just goes, oh, shit, dude. Why didn't you put your hands up? (laughs) And then Juba does the same thing. He comes over with a big stand over me. Goes, idiot! Put your hands up. And I go to the back and I'm like, I'm an idiot. I should have put my hands up. Yeah, lesson learned. Yeah, right. Well, the lesson learned is to not do that again.
1: Mm-hmm. What are some of the uh, injuries that you have sustained as a wrestler? Because I know oh. your matches aren't like necessarily you know like clouds and rainbow. Like, you do hardcore shit. Right. No,
3: no, my, uh, the injuries are deep, man. I've got like no cartilage left in my knees. Uh, I have had multiple concussions. I'm missing like definitely one full tooth from the back over here. And like, there's a couple chipped here and there that are thankfully not noticeable because I'm incredibly vain about my looks. Uh, (laughs) what else? Um, various back injuries scarred up all over the place. I tore my rotator cuff in this, uh, arm, uh for a, it, it was it was a while ago it happened but i was wrestling on it for like a considerable amount of time just like trying to like hey like i'll just learn to work hurt cuz then you know my my schedule was picking up and i was working so much more and i didn't want to lose out on opportunities and money and all that stuff so the rotator cuff and like that's just now starting to be a situation where like i've taken enough rest and i've chilled out enough on it where like i'm able to just kind of like exist normally mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, there's there's a there's a lot to go with when it comes to injuries, man. With
1: all those injuries, what motivates you to stay in the business?
3: I fucking love this shit, man. I, I it's it's the same, like you're gonna ask this question to like everybody, and they're literally it's it's the same answer. Like it's rest, pro wrestling is the best drug in the world. Uh the best and worst. Because it is, you know, it destroys your body, but it's also like there's there's nothing like walking out of that curve. There's nothing like like for me, when I'm waiting behind the curtain and a crowd is singing along to my entrance theme, like that's it. Like I, I, I will do absolutely anything for these people. Um and that's just kind of how it is. I love doing it. I love traveling. I love uh the the artistic expression of being able to do this uh at you know the level that I'm doing it where, you know, everything you know, I'm I'm in there with, you know, incredible, incredible wrestlers uh week in and week out. And you know, I, I really get to um really get to put out all of this, you know, this character and this person out there to be able to just kind of like, this is my art. This is my violent art. Have at it, everybody.
1: So what are the most important traits you does someone need to have to be good at your job? Um, the traits to be
3: good at my job. Um You got to be, I mean, this is, I tell this to all my students in order to be good at wrestling, at least for, you know, the early stages, I think the best trait to learn, and this is as blunt as it gets, is that you have to learn to eat shit and enjoy the taste. Uh, There's a lot that goes on, especially early on, you know, hours upon hours in a car for little to no pay, Um, opportunities that are like dangled in front of you and then taken away. Um... People who don't want to cooperate and are, you know, out there looking to hurt you and lie to you and, you know, mess with your head. Um, just the general day to day of just like having to work hard and, you know, not get a whole lot back for like a long time. Uh, so you really have to be like mentally tough. Mental mental toughness is one of the hardest things, uh, you know, in professional wrestling. And as somebody who advocates so hard for mental health, and the importance of like taking care of yourself and, you know, recognizing, you know, what the signs are for like, a breakdown or what the signs are for, um, for being in a position where you're not taking good care of yourself, recognizing those signs and, you know, handling yourself in a better way. Wrestling is not a good thing uh, for, for mental health. Uh, it could very well be, but you know, for the most part, it, you know, weighs down on you regardless of what level you're at. So I think mental toughness is the hardest thing. Physical toughness is certainly pretty hard. You know, you're putting a lot of strain on your body. um, and I think, again, with time, I think one of the qualities that I've learned that, you know, makes people successful, or makes people good at wrestling is just knowing that it's you're here to have fun. This is truth be told, like as serious as we take wrestling, it's nonsense. We 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 fight in our underwear. You know what I mean? Like it's is no it's a goofy way to say it, but it's the truth. Like we we fight each other in our underwear. You might as well be having fun. You could do anything else in the world and make money. Why are you doing this? Because it's fun. Have fun with it. The more fun you have, the more people see that you're having fun. They want to join in on your fun. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Best advice I've ever been given? It's possibly you know learn to eat shit and enjoy the taste. Um, But uh, I guess in a more positive light, I think it really is um, to love and respect what you do and take it incredibly seriously, but also at the same time, remember you have to have fun with this. And when you have fun with it, people respond to it. So yeah, I mean, going back to the last point you, you know, we were talking about, but it's the truth. Have fun. It's just supposed to be fun. If it's not fun, you're doing it wrong. What would your ideal dream match be? It would have been Terry Funk, but unfortunately, Terry is no longer with us. Um, you know, you, you know, Terry Funk is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, I think at this point, I don't know what, like, dream matches I have. I, I mean, I'm wearing a, a Pagano hoodie, so Pagano might be up there for me. Um, uh, certainly I think there's, uh, a lot of other people, uh, but I've also, the truth be told, like, I've been able to get some of my dream matches. I've wrestled Matt Tremont a number of times. Matt's always been on my list. Uh, I've wrestled, uh, Anthony Green a, a bunch of times. Anthony's been on my list. Um... Yeah, there's this, like, so so many people that I've been able to work with that I've been able to, like, hit so many of those. So, like, you know, in my head, you know, you know Terry Funk, but maybe, you know, another time, another place, so to speak. Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, geez. Hopefully not in a wheelchair. <laughs> I think, uh, for me, uh, I would like to see myself in five years. I would like to see uh, T2T Wrestling Academy continue to grow. Um, I would like to see some of my students uh, you know, just become better and find more opportunities for themselves. I'm living vicariously through my students at this point. I personally have taken such a huge step back in pro wrestling that I'm super choosy about where I work and how often I work. You know the truth is, again, like Logan Black, the character, Logan Black, the person are very similar, but they're also different. I want to be home with my daughter. I want to watch her grow. It's my favorite. She's my favorite human being in the entire universe. Uh, so like, I want to be home for that kind of stuff, uh, while also living vicariously through my students who are all so much more talented than I ever could imagine to be. Um, so I think in five years, I just want to be sitting back working the shows that I want to work, taking the bumps that I want to take and watching like Joe Alexander or an Angelo Carter or, uh, uh, Asante, uh, delightful Dan, the goddamn candy man, watching all these guys reach the potential that you know, I know that they are capable of.
1: What events do you have coming up for yourself?
3: What events do I have coming up? Let's see. I've got Blitzkrieg pro. Uh, that would be next Friday. Uh, I'm not sure when this comes out. I'm looking at the date right now on my phone. Cause you know, Tuesday,
1: Tuesday uh, comes out.
3: That would be the 17th. I've got Blitzkrieg pro. And, uh, that's the last one that I've got for a hot minute. Um, you know, like I said, I, I get really choosy with, uh, with where I am at this point, but um, that's my big one, and I'm really excited for that. I get to beat the ever-loving piss at a CPA on a lovely Friday night in Holyoke, Massachusetts, so I'm looking forward to it. What merch do you have, and where can people, people find it? Uh, Well, I mean, you could come to my merch table if you see me at a show, but uh, I don't know what I've got in the merch bag, and truth be told, I don't know, I'm getting new stuff, so if you'd like to get new merch from uh from The King of Chaos prorescentees.com forward slash king of cast NYC has a bunch of exclusive shirts you can go on there and buy those uh, you know that, that's where I've got a lot of my cool stuff but you know hopefully soon I'll be getting some new stuff printed
1: before I ask you where we can find your social media I gotta ask go what that. made you give yourself that X title that X panel? Oh, the, the Twitter I'm handle. i fuck you and go fuck yourself. What? That's great. I'm sorry. That's great.
3: I th- so I, again, like there's there's, I, I'm, I'm unfiltered. I'm brash. I'm in your face. It's just who I am as a human being. Uh, so I feel like that's the best way to go about it. You could ask any of my students if, they, if you've ever driven in a car where I am driving. Uh, there is nothing that uh, embodies that handle more than me behind the wheel because everything is a go fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> it's I like think it's sad these days that people can't just be themselves and let loose and just fear like they have to be judged or it's just. I
3: I think you know we all have a lot of acceptance and love to give and uh you know truth be told I don't know if we're we're quite there yet but you know I'm hoping that I'm hoping that we get there and there's a certain point where people just you know can be themselves and be happy and, and love each other. I am as much as I am about violence and celebrating violence. I am also very much about celebrating loving one another.
1: Hey, you're all about love, and if some knucklehead gets out of line, then violence comes into play. Exactly, but, but before the violence, you know, it's all it's all love. <laughs> hey, just I just I just don't understand why people can't doesn't realize that everyone's different. It's like that's the way it is. If everyone's the same, it will be boring. I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't disagree i want to, i want to
3: celebrate uh everybody's differences while also respecting uh you know re- celebrate and respect people's differences uh as long as they are not impeding on other people's ability to be different and themselves absolutely so what can people find you on social media uh all social media you can find me at king of chaos n y c uh that is also my venmo and cash app panels if you feel like tipping me uh, <laughs> I, I think we need to start bringing tipping into, uh, into wrestling shows. I, uh, it, it is the truth. Um, and I, I'm hoping before I'm finally done to fi- finally ready to hang up the boots, I can help usher in a, an era of tipping, uh, at wrestling shows. Cause why the hell not? Um, also, uh, I, you know, if I, I'd be crazy not to hype T2T wrestling Academy. You can find, uh, Find us on Instagram and Twitter and all social media at uh, T2T Wrestling Academy. Uh, That is where the next crop of New York wrestlers are coming from, uh, from a positive learning environment. Uh, Myself uh, and Tracy Williams and CPA, if he survives this ass whooping that I'm giving to him at Blitzkrieg, are all really working hard to push out some of the best wrestlers uh, in the Northeast. So hopefully, you know, those guys will all be on shows. That you know, y'all are seeing soon.
1: I I don't understand why can't wrestlers just put their cash app, you know, link on their page or whatever. I mean, it's nothing. I mean, the amount of money you guys make, I mean, it doesn't hurt. You know, it just I think I think again, it's a tradition in Mexico that if you feel
3: like the match in front of you has given more than what you paid for, you throw money in the ring. And listen, I get now. I, I I very rarely carry cash, so I will tip people uh digitally also uh i was very much involved in the new york city burlesque scene uh and burlesque it is very common to throw money at performers during the performances after the performances tip them before during and after wrestling and burlesque are literally the same thing so mm-hmm. we should be doing the same thing give us Thanks. money <laughs> just throw money in the ring like like you're a stripper you know just like-
1: Absolutely <laughs> yeah it's also money's in the ring who cares exactly i'm going to complain about anything hogan i appreciate your time thank you very much and i'll probably see you in one of the events very soon like FootScreen or whatever hell yeah man thank you so much for having me all uh, right absolutely man good luck to you and thank you for watching killing the business worldwide we are all out